Recovery to Jesus Christ. This is Steve, and welcome to the Encountering the Trinity podcast. Um, Today we're going to be joining Father Phil in a homily that he gave a couple weeks back on the mystery of the Eucharist. In fact, I take it back, this might be more than a few weeks because I was digging through some email that he sent me and I would have to check the date on that. So I, I could be wrong. It might be more like a couple months. But um, but anyways, we'll be joining Father Phil um, in his homily that he gave. And um, for our listeners, if you don't mind, we can be found. In fact, you probably found us on the iTunes store. Um, if you don't mind leaving some feedback, a nice five-star review would be fantastic. Um, but better yet, an honest review, whether that's one or five stars, um, or four or three or two, we'll we'll take whatever. But, um, the nice thing is, is that the more reviews we get for the podcast, the more exposure the podcast gets, that means the more listeners or potential listeners and, um, the, the, the chance that the, the good news of Jesus Christ gets out there, um, via podcast land. Um, but, uh, we would appreciate that. And if you have any feedback for us, if you'd like to contact either myself or father Phil, you can contact us at encounter the Trinity at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at most Holy Trinity. And we can also be found on Facebook at encountering the Trinity. Uh, so just be facebook.com forward slash encountering the Trinity. Um, so I am going to close my mouth, um, very shortly (laughs) and we'll be joining father Phil. Once again, his homily is on the mystery of the Eucharist. God bless. Take it. This is my body. Drink it. This is my blood of the new covenant about the simplest words you can imagine are at the heart of 2,000 years of Catholic Christianity. The simplicity of the Blessed Eucharist, Corpus Christi, is a mystery that is unfathomable by the greatest minds in the world. And yet, as St. Augustine said, even though the smartest person that God ever made cannot understand the Eucharist, Its truth is easily grasped by the simplest child who has the gift of faith. These simple words both reveal and conceal the great mystery that we celebrate today. The Eucharist that we are at this morning comes to us through three major interventions by God in the history of the human race. It's a journey from covenant to communion to consummation. The first miracle was when God out of nowhere called a single man, Abraham, and said, because of the sincerity of your heart, I will make of you a great nation, and through you, all people will be gathered like a magnet back to me, overcoming the disorientation and the breakage of Humpty Dumpty that occurred when Adam and Eve committed their first sin. And Adam became the sole magnet of God's communion with the human race, and he wandered to where he knew not. 
And then soon in the land where he had wandered, God appeared on a mountaintop and called an Egyptian soldier named Moses to come up to the mountaintop and encounter the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the top of that mountain was enveloped by a great cloud. And there were peals of thunder and shocks of lightning. And though they hadn't heard the fairy tale at that time, it would seem as if the Wizard of Oz or somebody very powerful was up there behind the curtain of smoke. Some majestic one, some all-powerful one, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who was seeking communion with the entire human race. But Moses alone was called and his sidekick Aaron. And with great trepidation and fear and trembling, they ascended the mountain of God and entered through the veil of the cloud into the midst of God. And when Moses emerged, his face was glowing with the glory of God, and he was tongue-tied to begin with, but even more so when he came out of the cloud and he said, I have the word of the Lord for you. And as we heard in the first reading today, the people trembling at the base of the mountain and wondering, who is this mighty wizard that Moses has gone to encounter? He will kill us if we even touch the mountain. Moses said, if you wish to be in right relationship with this God who protects us, offer him sacrifice and obey his laws. And all the people said to Moses, we will do everything you say. And for 2,000 years, the Jewish people sought to remain diligently faithful to this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the lawgiver God of Moses. And in Jerusalem, they constructed a temple that would resemble God on the mountain. And at the top of the temple, they placed a room called the Holy of Holies. And in that Holy of Holies, they placed the Ark of the Covenant that contained those tablets that Moses had brought down from the mountain. And again, only one person could ascend the steps of the, that temple like only Moses could go up the mountain. And once a year, the high priest could enter through the veil that covered the temple, the, the Holy of Holies, as an image of the cloud that Moses alone could penetrate to commune with the almighty and ever-powerful God. And the high priest would go in and come out, and he would deliver to the people God's forgiveness for that year. And they would make atonement, and their sins would be remitted. And then they would begin to sin, sin again, and sin would accumulate. And the following year, the priest would make the same fearful trek up the steps of the temple, through the veil, into the Holy of Holies, and come back out with God's word of forgiveness to the people. And that went on for 3,000 years until God worked his second miracle. He replaced the covenant with what we call Holy Communion. He created a new temple for his coming to his people, and that temple had a name. Her name was Mary. And he had a new ark in which resided the Word of God, 
and her name was Mary. And in Mary, the Ark of the Covenant and the new temple of God, her virginity parted in order for the great new high priest to come out. And instead of going up the steps to God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was incarnate of the new temple of God, and came forth down the steps of the mountain, down the steps of the temple, and replaced the temple with himself and his mother. And around them he gathered people saying, God that you thought was the Wizard of Oz has a human face. When you see me, when you hear me, when I touch you and heal you, when I forgive you of your sins, you have seen my Father. And some hearing this said, Yes, Lord, this is the one for whom we have been waiting. And they gathered around him, feeling his magnetic force, a magnetic force that never existed with Abraham or Moses. There was something different about this man. Could it really be the human face of God encountering us now? And most said, no, that's not possible. Our God is the Wizard of Oz behind the temple curtain. And others said, but what if the great high priest has come through the temple curtain to dwell with the sons and daughters of his father? And Jesus sought an intimacy with his friends. And his passion was his suffering on the cross to be sure. But it was his passion that we would know his father like he knew his father. And the best way he could think of introducing them to the communion that he enjoyed from all eternity with God his Father was to sit them at a table. His close friends, not everybody, this is why only Catholics who believe what we believe can sit at our table. Not because the Lord doesn't want everybody here, but at that Last Supper, which is the first Eucharist, he wanted those who got him entirely to have an intimacy and a communion with him that no one else wanted or enjoyed. And as they sat there at that table, he who was their Lord and Master took off his garment and knelt down before them and washed and kissed their feet and said, This is how my Father loves you. And they were overwhelmed and mystified by what he was doing, and no more so than when he said, Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. It left them baffled and bewildered. And even more so when they heard him say after that, It is good that I am now going from you. How could the great high priest who has come from the Father to call us into communion with himself suddenly now abandon us? But he repeated, it is good that I go from you, so that when I am lifted up, I may draw all persons through you to myself. For you see, my dear friends, the holy communion that Jesus gave them on that first night 
was meant to be the divine magnet that brings everybody to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And then he ascended into heaven and worked his third miracle. Because when we receive the Eucharist, it comes down to us like bread from heaven. It comes down to us like Isaiah said in the 55th chapter, I never send my word to the earth without it first accomplishing all the work for which I sent it to do. Jesus was the word of God, and he left with us the living bread, he himself. And when we receive this bread, we receive a communion with him that is deeper than any one flesh union of man and woman. It's deeper than any blood transfusion. It's deeper than Native Americans becoming blood brothers and blood sisters with each other. It's God himself, not us receiving him, but him being handed to us in a holy communion where through the mystery and the power of the Holy Spirit, he draws us into his very own body. And then in the second half of the Mass, known in Greek as the lifting up, we are gathered into him through our reception of communion, and the priest holds up to the Father the work that Jesus has accomplished in grafting you and me through this great mystery of the receiving of Holy Communion with his Son and their Holy Spirit in a one flesh union that will last forever. The Holy Eucharist is the simplest of things, but it is Jesus Christ himself gathering you and me here so that we will enter into a one flesh union with him and he will present us to the Father so that we may live with them and dwell with them and love with them and laugh with them forever.